Hi, welcome to Quid Pros Quo. I'm Zach. And I'm Rin. And today we are continuing our world building series by talking about government and politics, two of my favorite things. Rin, government and politics. Not two of my favorite <laughs> things. <laughs> um, but I think they're significantly more interesting in fantasy when I don't have to deal with the real life implications <laughs> of them. Like, I love writing political intrigue into my fantasies, but I'm like... In real life, I'm like, can the government just be nicer to me? Like, <laughs> specifically me as a person. Like, I'm tired of being a marginalized person. But anyways, government world building is answering the questions. Who has the, who has the power and what power do they have? Um, you can also ask questions like, how is that power maintained? How is it enforced? But the main things you want to figure out is who has the power and what is that power? Yeah, so a lot of the terms that we use to describe governments actually answer these questions. So monarchy, the person who has the power is the monarch, right? And the monarch has all of the power. Oligarchy, who has the power? Small group of people. How much power? All of the power. Then you can go through and talk about other systems, democracy, republics, feudalism, majocracies. I love this term. Um, meritocracies, technocracies. Like, these are all examples of you know, answers to those questions. Um, and they also imply certain things about the cultures that arise from these uh, governmental structures. So I want to give two examples. The first one is from the United States government, because this is what I teach about. Um, and the other is a fictional example from my short story, which is forthcoming and will probably have been published by the time this actually comes out. Um, which is the, um, the civilization of, of um, Almoraz. So, in the, you know, in the United States, we have a federal democratic republic. So who has the power? Well, it's spread out, mm -hmm. right? No one person has all the power. The citizens hold some power. Local governments hold some power. States hold some power. And then once you get into the nation, the nation's power is split up into Congress, the courts, and the presidency. Those are your three branches of government. We're going back to Schoolhouse Rock, y'all, right? When we're talking about what power do they have, each group has different, has different powers that they have. For citizens, they have the power to vote, and in some states, they have the power to propose um, ballot measures. So the fancy word for this is referendum, um, or recall, or ballot initiatives. Like, those are all, you know, those are all things that citizens can do inside of certain states. Um, local government has powers over housing policy. So, like, the people who are deciding whether you can build an apartment complex on this particular block, you know, that's not the folks living, you know, thousands of, mile, thousands of miles away. Those are the people inside of your, inside of your city. Um, housing, police, uh, police and fire departments, garbage collection, electricity and water, education, all of those things are major, mainly decided at the local level. With the states, you start getting a little bit bigger. You have health care, you have state-level laws, and you also, instead of the United States, states are in charge of elections. So they're in charge of making sure that elections proceed smoothly and in doing their part for federal election. Congress has the ability to write laws, amongst other things. If you're interested in all the things that Congress does, may, might I recommend Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> it's all in there. Um, the executive, that's the president and all the executive departments, right? Mm -hmm. um, they direct the, the, the military, the enforcement of the laws, 
attorney general, all that fun stuff. The courts interpret the law. They've been in the news a lot recently, and they tend to be in the news during the summertime because that's when all of their, their big decisions come out. But you have all of these different groups, and they all have different kinds of power. And that shows something about the society that grows up inside of the United States. Um, and it talks about, and it shows how particular culture, um, cultural facets arise from that or can be allowed to arise from that. This is very different than, say, the governmental structure in um, Britain, where you have a parliamentary system where political parties hold a lot of power. I mean, they hold a lot of power inside of the United States, but structurally, there's, you know, structurally, as far as the Constitution is concerned, there's no such thing as a party, right? Yeah. Um, Over there, you have the House of Lords and the House of Commons, and the contours are different. And so the culture is also different arising from that. Yeah, I I should have thought to prep this more before the episode, but as you're talking about this, I'm like, we should also be talking about revolutions more, which we touched on a little bit in the last episode. Mm-hmm. But I'm just thinking, like, so rebels and revolutions are such a hot topic in fantasy right now, and they I feel like they have been since the Hunger Games yeah. came out. But, like, I'm just thinking about, like, Maybe we need to do an extended episode on this. Is like how to write a good fantasy rebellion, mm-hmm. and you can bring your government expertise, <laughs> and I can bring my love of the enemies to lovers trope. <laughs> Lovely, excellent. Um, do you want to keep talking about your? Yeah. So that was all real life, gory details, and there's a lot more that you can that you can learn about that. Obviously. But um, let's talk about a fictional example for something that has less emotional charge with it and, you know, lower stakes. Um, So in my upcoming short story, The Archimagi, we have a magio oligarchy where a few magic users hold the power. So a a magocracy is a government where magic wielders have all the power. Oligarchy, small group. So magio oligarchy, we're doing combination of those two. Not all magic users hold power, just a small group of them. Mm-hmm. So who has the power? You have at the top of you know this pyramid, you have the Archmage. You have chiefs of social classes like the scribes or the masons, and the powers are distributed amongst those amongst those magic users, right? The, ma- the Archmage is the head of state and also the head of religion inside of this society. Um, the chief of scribes controls record keeping and who gets access to those records. And then the chief of masons controls city planning and management since they're in charge of all of that building. So, again, you can see, you know, answering the question, who has the power and what powers do they have? Mm-hmm. You brought up a really good idea there that I want to, like, hone in on. And you said, like, the top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And I think pyramids are a great way to explore social structure because I think most of the time social structures are arranged in like just a traditional pyramid and even though we as like maybe at least Zach and I are Americans I'm saying we as Americans we don't like to think it's like no everyone's equal but it's like no (laughs) (laughs) sweetie have you not been watching the news (laughs) Um, and more often we just like to think about like oh the feudal pyramid that we learn in like middle school social yes, sciences. Yes, the feudal pyramid. Um, <laughs> where you have like serfs on the bottom and like feudal lords at the top, and like mm-hmm. there's the Japanese feudal pyramid that I'm 
thinking of prison memories right now, like with samurai in there. So many pyramids. So many pyramids. But I think that it could be a really fun exercise to like go in and explore how is your pyramid arranged? At what point is in the pyramid? And like, how do the people at the bottom of the pyramid remind, this goes back to rebellions, how do people at the bottom of the pyramid remind the top of the pyramid that the top of the pyramid cannot stand without the bottom? Yeah, because you think about, I mean, this is not consent of the governed, but if you have uh, like riots inside of a inside of a feudal mm-hmm. society, you're going like the ruler has to make some changes in order to in order to quell the riots, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, apparently I'm just thinking a lot about rebellions today. Hey, I we'll just we need to do an episode. episode. Yeah, I think we should do an episode. Um, Zach has done a great job leading this episode. Props to him. Um, we talked about world-building government, and the, our main questions were who has the power and what power do they have. We listed some examples of governments, and Zach, as I said, smashed it with his examples of real-life U.S. government and with his forthcoming story of the Arcane Magi. Yep. Did I say that right? Perfect. Um, which should hopefully be coming out by the time this episode is out, so go and check it out if it is out. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it, it in the show notes. Exactly. Um, this has been Quid Pros Quo. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Quid Pros Quo is hosted by DC Winters and CK Jensen. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a rating. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at quidprosquo at gmail.com. For more episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.